This is Dave Chang. And Chris Ying. We are the hosts of Recipe Club. You may have listened to it before, but we are now back on the air, new and improved, with the same hosts that lose every week. I still don't know what the rules are because they've changed as well. Chris, can you give a quick rundown? Every week, we debate the best way to cook the things you want to eat. We take a user, listener, submitted recipe, and we all cook it with our friends, Priya Krishna, Rachel Kong, Brian Ford, and John DeBerry. And then we talk about what went right and what went wrong. No, I actually really don't want to do this podcast. (laughs) And they are hardly our friends. They are enemies. They are enemies. It's Dave's civil disobedience. If you want to see Dave Chang in an act of civil disobedience, tune into Recipe Club where he will not follow the recipe. I'm contractually obligated (laughs) to make this podcast. (laughs) But I'm here to have a good time. So listen to Recipe Club every week on the Ringer Podcast Network. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new pure leaf blackberry iced tea that we have here at the Spotify studios and drink quite a bit where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a very delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new pure leaf blackberry iced tea. Visit amazon.com slash pure leaf and enter 20 pure leaf. That's 20 pure leaf for 20% off your purchase of new pure leaf Blackberry iced tea. Welcome to the Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Dome Media. Today we have John Walker. He's the head brewer for Athletic Brewing Company. You know, when I thought about non-alcoholic beer when I was younger, I just never understood. I didn't even understand what beer was. My first interaction with a non-alcoholic beer was playing golf uh, with my father's friends, and some of his friends would be drinking O'Doul's. And I remember when that came out, and that turned into Caliber. I've never tasted it. I think I've had one O'Doul's in my life, and I remember like, what's the point of this? But that's what you are when you're 13, 14 years old, and you ask yourself, if I drink 50 of these, could I get drunk? You know, it's just... (laughs) Truly, one of the things that I remember thinking about, and I didn't understand why someone would not want to drink alcohol or drink beer without alcohol, just never even crossed my mind. But my first image of beer, Chris, was seeing my grandfather, who was always mowing the lawn in a suit and like a like a like a jacket vest type of thing that would be under a three piece suit. Always. Oh yeah. And even no matter how hot it was, he'd finish <laughs> it, he'd roll up his sleeves, and he would drink a nice room temp beer. Hmm. He loved room temp beer. It was very strange. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll enjoy a beer like that one day. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Not right now. Uh-huh. And then, you know, fast forward through college and you drink and drink a lot. And clearly I had a drinking problem and I, I barely drink today. I really started to drink a lot more during cooking. Like I didn't understand that that celebratory moment until I remember cooking and then earning that shift beer at the end of the night, which I think is a 
you know, very rarely does that happen in a lot of kitchens right now. But, you know, when I started cooking, that was something you earn a, a nice giant Lexan. That was like one of my jobs, like get the cold beer for the kitchen. And that, that, that just tasted so good. And then you would all, you know, go out with your friends afterwards and repeat the day. But drinking sort of got out of control for a lot of people. It wasn't just the drinking. It was the hangovers. It was working through that kind of pain and misery. So I just never understood it still. I never understood the movement towards, you know, not necessarily sobriety. That wasn't it. Because it was never like that kind of problem. But it was more like, why would you drink without alcohol? Did you ever have that feeling, Chris? Yeah, I definitely, I definitely know what you're talking about. I, I didn't understand for sure, like drinking without alcohol, but what you just said, both about your grandfather mowing the lawn and then getting that beer after service. What what I just realized is like no beer after that first one tasted as good. Actually, the first one where you're not getting drunk and it's just the first cold beer after service. None of, no subsequent beer ever tasted as good as that first one. Like that's an interesting thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, someone told me early on, if you're going to drink beer, have no more than three, because what's the point? And the older I've gotten, the less, less I like the idea of being drunk. There's actually like nothing cool about that, especially if you're going out. And there are moments when you're with your friends and that could be fun, but that's a rarity, right? Mm -hmm. So the idea of temperance was something that was not impressed upon me until like much later. And it actually sort of dovetailed in with my learning of how important service was, which was in Sydney, Australia, when we're opening up Seobo. And many of our customers were Asian because Australia, I view as part of Asia, really. And that's going to piss off a lot of Australians, but <laughs> it is. It's Asia's Chinatown. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. Um, and a lot of our clientele were Asian and they just would get red faced or they just didn't like the idea of being drunk. So we didn't sell that much wine. So Su Wong Ruiz had the idea of like creating a temperance tasting. And I was like, what? We're going to, we're going to spend all this time making pairings for our food without any alcohol. Mm -hmm. I was like, I initially said no. And then I was like, I got to fucking see this. Mm -hmm. Sure enough. We started selling the bejesus out of this thing. So that's when I was like, oh, maybe people don't want to get drunk. They just want to taste something good. They want it to be balanced. And it wasn't like all of these people weren't drinking booze. It just was something that I had never experienced before. And that idea of not having alcohol on your meal was something that I started to embrace and it opened my eyes to what it could be. And in general, right, over the years with Momofuku and what we've done in our career, we, you know, we, we, we don't take a contrarian approach just to take it. We're, we're trying to find data. We're trying to, it's almost like investing in stocks or something. You're trying to find that gold in something where everyone else saying, is saying culture at least, well, that's stupid, you know? Mm -hmm. Why would I do that? Why would I serve ramen? Why would I, you know? partner with a plant-based meats or anything like that, that if that initial inclination, at least from my gut is, well, that sounds stupid. I always have to ask myself, is it stupid or am I stupid? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and more often than not, it's like, oh, I'm stupid. So mm -hmm. let's just see what's there. And I think the whole idea of temperance and not drinking alcohol is, is an important story because we're talking about giant cultural shift. So I want people to understand that when we're talking about this and we're talking about athletic brew, 
I'm an investor and I'm a partner with Athletic Brew and I'm using this platform not just to talk about that. Clearly, I am to, 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 to shine a light on something I believe in, but it's also in general, I'm same thing if I talk about any day or the microwave. These are things that are completely aligned with who I am as a person and what I'm doing and where I think things are going. And I think it serves a larger purpose as a Trojan horse to talk about these things. It's, it's if you hear something like non-alcoholic beer and you wonder, well, that's crazy. Or if you hear something like, hey, you know, 10 years ago, if you said, hey, someone's microdosing on psilocybin mushrooms, like, what? Well, maybe they're seeing something that you don't, right? Not everything is going to pan out, but it's worth taking bets on things that might be part of the zeitgeist later. It's it's always interesting. It's always fun. And I love spending the time trying to connect the dots before other people do. Thankfully, Bill Schulfeld and the team at Athletic Brew have connected those dots, but it dovetails in, in with a larger narrative that's happening in F&B. I see less and less people ordering like the same ways they used to. I see cooks not wanting to drink beer than like when I started, it's just not the same thing. It's the same kind of generational shift when, you know, I'm sure when Hugh gets older, I'm like, you're not going to listen to Led Zeppelin. And he's like, why? <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> right. Right. And I'm sure Hugo's kids are, well, you know, if he has kids, they're going to say the same thing to his music. These generational shifts. I think we're in this generational shift right now, yeah. you know, and if we're so in it that it's hard to see alcohol's not going in a way it's, it's always going to be here, but, it's not going to have that peer pressure stranglehold that it had on both of us and many of the people we know, Chris. I, I think that's right. I think, you know, there's, there's this element of like, when we, were, when we were coming up, it's like, if you don't drink, you're not cool. Drinking, drinking beer is cool. Drinking 40 beers is cool. <laughs> but like, Chris I and I drank 200 beers once. <laughs> yeah, we definitely drank 200 little beers once. And like, I think we thought we were super cool. And I, I think that if you, I, I mean, the general generational shift part is, is, is real. I think you, you look at it from an outside perspective, but you look at a young person's perspective and you look at like what we thought was cool, which was like crushing beer cans in your head and falling down into a pile of dog shit because you drank so many beers. Like there's objectively like nothing <laughs> cool about that to like the next generation. You know, I still like to drink where you where, like, and I think, you know, I think what you're talking about with the sort of movement toward not sobriety, but just like alcohol not being having a stranglehold on everything is real. But from my perspective, as somebody who does like to to drink alcohol, to, like what got me, what would like actually piqued my interest about this more than anything, and we'll talk about it with with John here, is that like beer as beverage, beer as flavor thing that you've been talking about, and and like when you started talking about that with me. Like that's where it clicked, where it was like, sometimes I do just want it for its ability to pair. It's not just like a water that I would drink. And for that exact same thing where it's like the first beer of the night is the best beer and I'm not getting drunk off it. So like, why not just drink something delicious? I really enjoy these moments, being able to connect these things and hopefully, you know, be right. But more often I'm wrong, but I love, and I, I think about this all the time, these things that were invented or created or ideas for one thing, but then for whatever reason, they turn into something else in terms of the mass adoption by a culture. And we talk about this in the podcast about Gatorade, be like Mike. And before that it was, 
you know, invented for the University of Florida and it was invented to replenish nutrients for athletes. And now it's sold in every convenience store. And I don't think anybody drinks Gatorade anymore for, for, for the for initial reason purpose. it was made. Right. Right. And you could think that for, for a lot of maybe not so many things with food and beverage, but that's why I think out of F and B, Gatorade is one of the very few things that was invented for something and then had mass adoption. You know, I, I don't even know how it happened, but the idea that like, hey, I play sports, I need to drink Gatorade, that's powerful marketing. But it was like, it actually got me thinking about another story we talk about in this podcast with John when I was in France and learning that idea that many of the people that drink wine, um, you know, you, you can drink wine much younger than they do than we do here in America. It's treated as a beverage. It's treated as a beverage. Alcohol is treated as a beverage for basically everywhere else in the world other than puritanical America mm-hmm. and, and Ontario and Canada. <laughs> Right. It's seen as like an illicit thing that you have to get when you're responsible enough. And the reality is, what if we can just drink beer and not get drunk and just have it as a beverage? Because when I wrote that article for GQ where we trolled all beer snobs, you know, people got pissed, but they got pissed for, you know, I think a reason is because it's like light Dumber down beer is so easy to pair with food. It really mm-hmm. is. So that's why I like it for a variety of other reasons. So th- there, there's, there's, there's a lot going on here in terms of what it says about you, what it says about your opinions. It doesn't mean that it's absolute, but I think that if people open up their, their mindset as to what they're able to drink and use, I just think it's a, as you, as you say, it's just having more options is a better thing. I mean, people drink sparkling water so much. <laughs> it's crazy how many kinds of sparkling water there are. That's a That's whole industry that was invented and we're right. all suckers for it. Right. And the taste is really just in your imagination. It's whatever color the can is what you're tasting. <laughs> like, there's no taste. It's totally ridiculous things. that people like sparkling water. I, I, you know, I, I don't understand it. I, no, I, I think no. you're dead right on, on like just trying to, I mean, listen to John. Listen to like, like, I, I think that like, I, I was skeptical and I think it's been really interesting to just like, as if, as if nothing more than just like what you're talking about, Dave, like, why wouldn't you think about this? And I'll, I'll say this, Coca-Cola used to have cocaine in it. <laughs> it doesn't anymore. Right. Well, like, I wish that it still did. Cause that would be <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> but it was a completely different thing to start out with. And and you know what? Mince meat pie used to have meat in it. And like I think these things can actually become something different and better in a lot of cases when like And Turkish delight was always terrible. <laughs> Turkish delight has always been bad, has never contained any delight. Black licorice in it. has been a marker and indicator for how terrible you are in this world. You know, some things have remained true. <laughs> but um yeah. I like this idea simply as a, uh, to step back and think about how ridiculous it is. Like uh, in, in some vein, very similar to when we did the Hulu show, next thing you eat, where we're asking about cereal. How re- fucking ridiculous is it that we, that my son only wants to eat cereal in the mornings now? How did that happen? I yeah. did my best to prevent that from happening, yeah. but he loves it. Yeah. Or just like the notion that cereal is breakfast food, which is what you ask in that thing, yeah, which is so just like, crazy. it's better seen as a dessert. It's better seen. I'm stoned and it's 10 PM. I need that something. Is, to that eat. is the appropriate time <laughs> to be eating cereal. 10 PM stone, honestly. So like, you know, just think about these things. So listen, 
let the master, John Walker, explain how and why he decided to join forces with Bill and the whole team Athletic Brew, and he is making some extremely delicious stuff. But just think about, use this as an opportunity to think about the things that you sort of readily accept as true and ask yourself, does it actually pair well? Does it? I love Coca-Cola, but it's <laughs> just not, not what I want to eat with the <laughs> meal. Right. Just take a spoonful of sugar in between each bite. All right. Well, here you go. Here's John Walker. Today, we have as our guest, the head brewer for Athletic Brewing, John Walker. You know, if you ask me around the age of 35, any time before that, I started drinking beer when I was 13, had a fake ID, and I've had a lot of beer, a lot of different beverages over the years. I never understood why people would like beer so much. My first experience was be- with beer was watching my grandfather who would mow the lawn in Virginia with a tie, a shirt and tie. <laughs> and <then> after, <laughs> after that, he would drink a room temp beer. He hated cold beer. And it was just a very strange thing. I never understood it. And I never understood that idea of what a celeb, like it was a celebration. What you want to drink after doing something, uh, some kind of achievement was you wanted a beer. I never really earned the beer during college, although drinking a lot. And then working in a restaurant, which is much less these days, you rarely, rarely, rarely see staff beer. Um, but it used to be as many as you could possibly drink uh, at the end of service. That's when I understood that feeling of achievement, of wanting to drink something. It wasn't just beer to get drunk. It was beer because you wanted to sort of celebrate something. You earned it. It was part of your day. It wasn't trying to erase the evening and and like remember what happened the next day. It was like, this was something you wanted to do because it was a, it memorialized the day. It was crossing off the last checklist, the last thing on your checklist on your mise en place, writing your letter or your note to your morning partner, and then cracking a few beers and then going out. That was what I loved the most. And I haven't really figured out how, how I was going to celebrate that, those moments because I really stopped drinking. Yes. Do I drink occasionally? Yes. But not like I did every day. For years, it just wasn't something I was able to do. And if you asked me if alcoholic brewing was going to be something I would ever be interested in or invested in, I would have laughed in your face. And here we are today because, you know, John and the whole team of Athletic Brew have created a product that I I find not just remarkable, but I think it was, it it, it is a, a testament of the times that we're living in and where we're going as well, that you can have a great beer without everything I just described, right? I can have those moments of celebration and, you know, welcome, John, welcome to our podcast. And we're, we're here to learn a lot about brewing in general and all the misinformation I've spewed out over the years. But, <laughs> awesome. um, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for having us. We really appreciate you having us on and everything that you do and kind of bucking the trends of what of perceptions and preaching new things about old things and how things can be perceived. So really appreciate you having us. When you started brewing, did you think you were going to brew non-alcoholic beer? Never. No, no, it <laughs> wouldn't have crossed my mind. I, I, I too am from food and beverage my whole life, grew up in it. Um, and, you know, understand the celebratory beers at the end of the night. And 
you know, found my way into wine and studied wine, thought that was fantastic. And, you know, really you're like studying alcohol and it's a thing. And then I moved into brewing and it was more studying alcohols and what alcohols can do and expressing flavor. And I had just never thought to explore beer from a different angle, which is like, what can you extract with the same ingredients in a different format and maybe without alcohol? And that had never crossed my mind until I met Bill. And uh, Chris, you know what I'm talking about, right? When we'd go out to dinner and as much as I love the finest wines and the white burgundies of the world, I do love my cheap, light, light beer. And it's not just beer for beer's sake. I just like it because it's a tasty beverage that's refreshing and balances a lot of different foods out there. So from a food perspective, I just wanted to drink something that tasted great that I did, you know. Yeah, I think I think you got you <laughs> not entirely uh, unwarranted, but Dave Chang got a reputation as a uh, reverse beer snob, right? Like you, Dave was like, I don't drink IPAs. I don't drink fancy beers. I only drink watery beer. <laughs> and I think, you know, like, like I said, you got a little reputation, but I don't think it was ever like that you can't appreciate the craft of a beer. But like when you have a beer that has so much going on, it's not like the thing that you want to eat food with, right? Like when we're, when we're sitting around eating grilled chicken uh, at a Thai restaurant or we're eating, you know, super spicy Sichuan food, like I don't reach for like a big high, you know, alcohol, super hoppy beer. Like you want that thing that's, that's going to match perfectly. And so like, I think that's what you were saying, Dave, is like the, the, the ideal food beer, the ideal, like all around thing that I want to eat and drink with is a, I mean, you describe it as watery. I mean, John, what would you, how do you, Dave always describes it as, 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 as watery. What's a better descriptor for what he's talking about? I'll, I'll call it simple or approachable Yeah, or nuanced. And so, boom, Athletic Light, those are my shameless plug here, but we just launched the Athletic Light. This is largely, you know, thanks to inspiration from people like Dave, which is like, I want this beer. I want this drink. So we thought like, how can you create this thing that people can enjoy anytime, anywhere? And especially with any food. And it's true that not all beers are great pairing items. Like you just said, Chris. Like, IPA. <laughs> it, it's true. Like it, it doesn't pair well with that much. Um, but well, it doesn't really pair well without food either. It just isn't that delicious. <laughs> we, we can agree to disagree on that. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, this is like ubiquitous. And you can drink this with a salad and it's not going to interfere with the nuances of the herbs. It's, you know, you can eat it with a pizza, with a burger, with spicy food, and you're not going to burn your mouth off with the alcohol. So yeah, no, I definitely appreciate finding the, the balance of a, just a tasty beverage. Is, is this the beer? I mean, Dave's not alone though, right? Like this is like light beer. That is probably the most consumed beer in the country, right? Like this kind, this style of beer, this approachable, simple, 100%. not watery. <laughs> Right. Yep. Hundred percent. More than anything else. Like what? What? What are we talking about, John? In terms of like the market for that beer versus the market for people who do want the triple IPAs and everything. Hold up, Chris. I think there's one important question to ask <laughs> beforehand because you know I, I I did I didn't even know what the word trolling was, but I trolled basically every beer <laughs> aficionado out there that I think rivals. San Francisco's hatred of me when I said figs <laughs> on a plate, when I said, you know, I hate nice beer. I just want to drink 
the simple beer as you describe. Why do beer snobs, beer aficionados treat me like I'm the antichrist? <laughs> Why do they get so mad <laughs> that I can question. just say that this is okay? It's okay. To, it's truly great to p- pair with food. It's great to drink. It tastes very light and refreshing, and I can drink 25 of these. Why does that make people mad? I, I, I'm not entirely sure well, it, why it makes each person mad. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I think more than anything, uh, especially in craft beer, like people have developed this, this enthusiasm and appreciation for ingredients that they maybe hadn't had before or been exposed to even. And so they've got like, you know, the mosaic hop and it's their new, it's in their, it's their new thing. It's in their vernacular now and they can be really proud of it. Maybe that's why. Yeah, I mean, beer nerds take a lot of shit. They get a lot of shit from people who are not beer nerds, right? Like, it seems like, because I think, like, I, I don't know, Dave. I don't know why people are mad. <laughs> I was going to try. Right? I, was trying it to make any sense. I don't know why they're it mad. It really man. gets people mad. <laughs> you know, and, and, and you know, uh, I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand. But this is a wholly different category, but it's still beer. And I just don't know. John, do you feel that the traditional beer aficionado slash beer snob connoisseur wants to wrap their arms around the idea of a non-alcoholic beverage? Um, I, it depends on the, the idea of traditional or the meaning. So go into Europe. And so traditional is going to be a whole lot different. And they've got you know, a whole culture around non-alcoholic beer in general. And so 100%, you know, they're living that. They're 11 to 17% of the overall beer market in certain countries. So there are huge populations that have been treating this as tradition for a long time. In the U.S., I, I definitely think that's coming around. It's going to grow. I don't think we're going to see these changes. You know, they're going to be incremental changes, but it's going to take a generation. You know, there's a, a culture shift and a whole dynamic that needs to change from the penalty box beer, uh, the beer that nobody ever cared about at all, even the people that were producing it didn't care about it. They just had to like check the box. But now that people actually care and are, you know, putting some effort into creating these brews to make them taste like a normal beer, I think people are going to change their minds. We're seeing that. So I mean, that's that's been the interesting thing, actually. Anecdotally, just from my perspective, the people in my life who have shown the most enthusiasm actually overall for non-alcoholic beers and, and athletic brewing specifically are actually my like I have a lot of friends who are super beer nerds and those are the ones who have like been most interested in trying it it's people like me who like aren't that into beer who I'm like ah you know I'm used to beer like drinking 12 beers so I can forget the night like Dave's talking about like this doesn't make sense to me but if you are somebody who tastes beer for the taste of it and you collect beers and you age beers and you're trying to think about it from a flavor perspective, if that's really where your point of interest is from beer, like those are my friends who like this the most because they're like, I want to taste it. So I'm not in this just for the alcohol. Like I'm in this because I believe I like this beverage, which like, you know, is something like I'm having trouble wrapping my head around. But like, it's been really interesting to me that like, like you're saying, John, people who appreciate this most are people who are like, oh, this tastes like a beer. So, like, I guess my question for you is, can you talk a little bit, you, you know, you were getting at it, you know, we're, we're or one of our good friends, John DeBerry on, on Recipe Club talks about, like, the part that alcohol plays in the taste of beer. Can you talk a little bit about, 
you know, what that is, like what the place that alcohol plays and like sort of the challenges or, or opportunities that like a non-alcoholic beer brew presents? Yeah. So, I mean, traditionally alcohol is, it's a solvent. And so it can extract oils and things like that from hops and um, alcohol in beer, just like wine, those higher alcohols actually carry aromatic compounds. Um, and, you know, they're awesome. They're super interesting. They're fascinating to study and they contribute a whole lot to to beer and wine um, specifically or any alcohol really. But I think, you know, that's where we came up with our process was like, how do we capture that same exact experience without the utilization of alcohol? And mm -hmm. we didn't want to create alcohol in the first place ever. So it was an added challenge. And so it's just kind of rethinking how you can manipulate existing ingredients, the existing portfolio as it has always been in a new way so that you can bring the same experience and the same experience is different perhaps from flavor. But mm -hmm. as long as you're delivering the same experience, it's positive, it's fun, it's engaging, and you still get that reprieve, that celebration, that feeling, then we're doing a good job. Mm -hmm. I think a testament to the, the team and our product is that we were also able to capture a lot of those essences and aromas and flavors that you get with beer, with alcohol in a non-alcoholic format. Mm -hmm. I, I still want to get back to this moment when you decided, I want to brew non-alcoholic beer because you started brewing in Santa Fe. You grew up in the restaurant business. I'm sure you were, as you said, surrounded by alcohol. Like You cannot be in the restaurant business without being surrounded by alcohol. It's one of the reasons why there's addiction problems and all these things in the business. It's the it's sort of the universe we live in. But I just, I'm so curious as to how someone has the light turn off in their head, turn on in their head and said, I'm going to do this now. Because you probably have to learn a different way of brewing beer. I've actually never even asked. What is, secondly, what is even the step? What's the difference in brewing non-alcoholic beer versus normally brewed beer with alcohol? Yeah, so the, the steps are, are super different. There are traditional methods. Uh, there's vacuum distillation. There's filtration, reverse osmosis, um, all those things. And one of the things that actually captured and piqued my interest was when Bill, who I met, who's the original founder, came up with this idea, was like, we're not going to do any of that. If people were doing that and making great beer, a lot more people would be doing it. So we got to rethink the whole thing. And so part of the thing that piqued my interest was finding the new way, exploring a new path that nobody had ever explored and trying to get the same result. So it was a really fun challenge. And the place where it clicked with me, is, you know, after meeting Bill, of course, was I had been in the restaurant business my entire life. I have seen all of those things, the addiction, the drugs, the drinking, bartending, nightlife. Like I had evolved to not having that beer at the end of the night. It was a, a soda and cranberry juice because like I just wanted to get the hell out of there so that I could go to bed and like wake up and do normal life things. And meanwhile, like all of this, this chaotic world of imbibing was happening around me and it was like time to get out. Same thing in brewing. I, you know, love brewing, love the brewing industry. But again, alcohol can drive a lot of negative forces in the world. And it's not always easy to be around. So when Bill was talking about this, and I thought about the opportunity to make a hugely positive impact, like on my own life and the beer industry, food and wine in general, 
and the world uh, is super exciting. So, you know, it was a multifaceted appeal for me. It was cultural, it was taste, it was the challenge. And then, yeah, to go back to the, the process, we, we spent the better part of a year dreaming up and concocting a whole new process for brewing non-alcoholic beer, which is basically doing nothing. It's just the tra- traditional brewing process. And we take the same exact ingredients. We just treat them in slightly different ways across the whole process and wind up with a fully fermented beer that just happens to be under 0.5% alcohol. It really does taste delicious, though. That's that's the thing. I was like, why why does it taste so good versus... <laughs> n- it's not like I've had so many non-alcoholic beers. I've had the Odules and the the calibers of the world and they actually just taste like water (laughs) (laughs) it's because we care it's literally Uh like it's because we care you know you you can make a steak nine different ways if you make a steak when you're in a good mood you want to enjoy it and have other people appreciate it it's probably going to be better right but is that really is that really a john like it's just love i mean is there like a process difference here between what dave is talking about the like the complete there's, Chris, there's, this is just a Christopher Nolan film now. It's all about love. <laughs> no, no, there's totally, there's totally a process difference and it really sets us apart. You know, we can't talk too much about it, but we spend a whole lot of time creating this unique process. And um, at the end of the day, our process requires a whole lot of love and attention. And so we have an entire team, an entire company that's focused on making this one type of product exceptionally well. You know, other breweries are making one non-alcoholic beer in their giant portfolio. And the people are not really devoted to that. We are devoted specifically to this craft. And so I think it it is a lot of love. Chris, you know, when we were putting input and helping design Athletic Light, or even before that, just some ideas that, you know, because my relationship with Bill and John has gone on since pre-pandemic. Wow, it was a wholly different world. It was like a, um, week, it was like a week before pandemic. <laughs> it was literally a week before you guys came into the office and you know, you bet on the entrepreneur, not even the idea. And when I met Bill, I said, this guy's got it. You know, he's just got it. He's just not just charismatic, but he has a vision. And again, it's sort of ineffable, but I wasn't anticipating being moved by the idea of non-alcoholic beer the way I was, right? As we started to develop this relationship and I was more on, on, on more meetings with John, John Yang and the more I would explain what my dream beer would be. I think sometimes John has an extremely good poker face because he didn't, I, I felt he was probably cringing at the ideas that I was throwing at him. So God bless you, John, for not listening to anything I had to say for the most part. <laughs> We listened to absolutely everything, and it wasn't poker face. I, I'm, they heard it. They heard I'm it. Trying to, I'm trying to take it in. I, I'm trying to process, like, how do we make a drink? It's like, Dave wants a drink, just a drink. But we're making beer, yeah. so we got to make a beer, too. And so it's like, how do we marry that? And I, I think collectively and with all the feedback, I think we we nailed it. And that's, that's the m- amazing thing, being able to work with a group of people that are open-minded and can sort of try to imagine what's around the corner. Um, because for me, you know, Chris Yang, if we were going to start a business and we were going to can sparkling water, <laughs> most people would have laughed at us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean by seeing two to three steps around the corner. If you asked me 35, 40 years ago, 
this thing called Gatorade is going to change how people drink because it was designed by a University of Florida scientist to replenish the nutrients in an athlete, right? And now people drink it every day. Even Joe Biden drinks orange Gatorade as his drink of choice in the <laughs> Oval Office. It's just a beverage, right? That's what I was thinking is this is just tasty and delicious. Why not? Why does it have to be limited to anything? So they, they heard me drone on and on and on about this idea. But Chris, what do you think about what athletic and this whole category can do? Because clearly everything's over-indexed to hard sparkling and all this other garbage. But I'm more interested in what this could be, right? It was no different when we talked to Matt Horn about what barbecue could be down the road by changing a couple variables. Could you have an $800 person barbecue sushi type experience, right? Like, I love the idea of this evolving into something that someone couldn't see, but now everybody enjoys having it. What are your thoughts on that, Chris? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that initially when you started talking to me a little bit about this partnership, I was skeptical because the, the the only the only I mean, as as always, like I saw it for what was like immediately in front of me, which is beer without alcohol. And I thought, well, why, what's the point of that? Like beer equals alcohol to me. But the more I started thinking about what you're saying, which is and, and what I was talking about earlier, which is like from a flavor perspective, like I don't actually like to drink, you know, if like if I'm having a terrible day, like I don't open a light beer. I actually just drink a whiskey or something. I drink a, a like light beers when I'm eating, when I'm hanging out with friends, when it's like a, when, when it's a hot day and I've been working outside with my father-in-law, whatever, all of these like sort of everyday experiences where it's not about getting drunk. It's not about the alcohol. And I started thinking about from what you're talking about, Dave, this flavor perspective of like, this is a delicious beverage. Like if beer wasn't delicious, like people would find other ways to get fucked up, <laughs> but like beer is right. delicious. And if you think about that, just that simple fact, then like, oh, wait, that makes more sense. This is a mm -hmm. beverage. And I started thinking about use cases beyond just people who don't, who are sober, right? Use cases for people who want the beverage who aren't like, I don't drink alcohol, I don't abstain, but like, that's not what I want right at this moment. And that, that really changed my mind a lot, like about, the, about what this could be about, and you're talking about Matt Horn. I think there's room for both things, right? There is the sort of elevated barbecue experience where you sit down and you get six slices of meat as like an omakase and you have like the communal thing. Like I, that's for me, the more optionality there is in the world, the better. And like this being like a new path for people who like the flavor you know, I, I've really genuinely come around because like I was very skeptical in the beginning and I've tasted the product now and I've hung out with people, like I said, who are like super beer drinking people who will drink an athletic every other beer. They'll drink an IPA and then they'll just have this as their sort of beverage. You know, like this is what they drink in between. There's only one beers. thing wrong there in that equation. <laughs> it's not the athletic beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the other in between beers. Yeah. I mean, John, do you feel that this idea of drinking culture, because, you know, you've been in the business, you've traveled, you understand wine. My idea of beverage, I mean, alcohol as a beverage changed when I was in France and I was talking to a winemaker and I can't remember what exactly it was, but it was one of their kids was drinking a glass of wine and I was not aghast. I was just like, whoa, you know, they're like 10 years old. <laughs> 
And they had explained to me, no, you stupid Americans just feel like this is something that is a sacred thing or something that, you know, you have to be a certain age. We are trying to teach our kids that this is just a beverage. And the more we teach them that, the more respectful they are and the less that likely they are to get like insanely drunk when they finally have access to it. It's just a beverage. Shouldn't that be the new way or not the new way, the old way should become more of the predominant way of thinking about just anything non-alcoholic or alcoholic, the things that are fermented and marketed as beer, wine, spirits, it's now just a beverage. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And I think it comes down to just being responsible, enjoying things responsibly. And you can do that. You can learn that better as a youth, just like you might be able to pick up a language sooner, earlier. But yeah, I think learning responsibility and just when you're introduced at a young age or if it's approached in a different way where you're like, this is just a good drink. This is just a good beverage. These are fantastic ingredients. We grew these on our farm. You know, it's a different sort of appreciation. And so I think anybody can learn to appreciate those things. And because of that and because of the way it's approached, it will probably be consumed in a more responsible fashion. And, you know, alcohol is just a whole other kind of distracting component in this country. I mean, in the world, really, but in this country specifically, it's kind of misused, confused, and can be problematic at times. And it just kind of interferes with, with what I think are just like exceptional ingredients and like people appreciating the drinks and the ingredients and the experiences. So, John, uh, a week ago, I was uh, forced into one of the uh, last things on the planet I wanted to ever do, which was standing in line with a friend I for, know where you were. for, where was I, John? You were at Treehouse. No, I was not. Okay. I was in Northern <laughs> California, and I stood in line at 6 a.m. till 10.30 a.m. for the release of Pliny the Younger, a triple IPA. David's shocked. David's <laughs> disgusted. David's truly disgusted. It's like I, I'm basically like, whoa, Chris, you were January sixth went to the Capitol. <laughs> whoa, this is more surprising. It's like that. it's as though I just put a Viking helmet on my head <laughs> on this call. I, I did this for a friend. He he was you know he had gone way out of his way to come up to Northern California to do this well, thing. He's blackmailing you. He's blackmailing. He forced some, you to go so against your Some real bad shit on me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I stood in this line and it was like, you know, I've, I've been aware of this line before. I'd never stood in it. I, there were people I'm sitting here in this line there. My friends are telling me like some of these people aren't even here to drink it. They're just here to buy their two to go bottles and go home. And I was like, why in the God's name would you stand in this line for five hours to like buy two beers and go home? But like this clearly exists, right? Like, you know, about the you know, better than anybody, the world of craft beer aficionados. Where do you see athletic fitting into like this bigger world of, of beer nerds? Is, is athletic outside of it? Are you imagining that like there is a place for within like the culture of beer for non-alcoholic beers? Like does this, like I said, my friends who drink Pliny and stuff are the ones who like athletic. Do you see yourself still hanging out with these brew brewmasters who are, who are doing these places? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, we, we have beers galore. We've got a, a wild pilot system, an incredibly creative team, always drumming up new products, you know, new ingredients, playing with fruit, playing with herbs, 
uh, partnering with chefs and, you know, all, all these unique things. And so we can celebrate all those fun things that craft has. Um, and they're fantastic things. And I think part of the reason people go to those events are because of the culture and they love being with people who like the same things and they like talking and it's generally jovial and that's the craft beer community is, you know, nothing short of fantastic and happy and it's just like an enjoyable feeling. What I, what I think athletic can do specifically is really grow that community. There are a lot of people in the country who don't drink beer because they don't drink alcohol. And so now we can invite more people into the fold. We've got a larger community, which is super fun. And a lot of people just don't like drinking in general. And so we've got those folks. Um, and the fact that we can explore all of the flavor range of kind of macro-ish light style beers um, all the way to, you know, your double IPA versions, I think that we'll be able to fit into all of the realms and bring a whole lot of people into the beer community that weren't here before. Mm-hmm. What's what's your typical you, John? What is your typical sort of like athletic drinking? Like, how does it fit into your sort of like daily routine or into your like your 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 beverage consumption life? Like, do you do you drink you drink alcohol? Yeah, uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, so I I always say um, since figuring out how to brew athletic beer, I drink a lot more beer and a lot less alcohol because I love beer. I love the ingredients. I love the experience that, you know, throwing it back, the carbonation on the back of your throat. It's that celebratory kind of pain, if you will, uh, but really enjoying and free. And the fact that I can enjoy that a whole lot more now and still read my kids' books without slurring, you know, <laughs> get up and go to work, get up and go on a bike ride with the family, cook, do all the responsible things and fun things that I want to do and enjoy great beer. It works out really well for me. Yeah, that makes that's that, that you know, David. It reminds me, Dave, of like the January dietary restriction thing when people were just like, "Wow, do you feel like super energized and different now?" And I was just like, "No," but like the main thing is like, I don't wake up feeling terrible ever. Like that's a great feeling. It's a wonderful change of pace for me to wake up and not feel terrible. And like I think you're, I think you're right. Like it, it is still like a reward, you know. Otherwise, I just drink water and I feel sad. <laughs> Enough with the sparkling water, everybody. Jesus. <laughs> you know? Just to, for everybody. You've had enough. You've, You've had, had enough over two and a half. You've okay. had enough sparkling you know, water. You've had enough. Everyone's had enough sparkling water. It's time to move on to something else. Right? That's the moral of the story. Unless you want to try our day pack hop infused sparkling water, of course. Hop Which infused. is really delicious. <laughs> Tastes like something. <laughs> <laughs> Not just like the hint of something, John. So, so I mean, will you talk a little bit on that? I mean, you brought up hops and everything. Like the one of the reasons for me personally that I've always like, you know, thumb my nose a little bit at, at like the craft beer, like Dave has, is like, you know, when it comes to wine, you can talk about all sorts of different things, right? You can talk about like vintage and varietal and terroir and oak and steel and and all these different like methodologies for so long beer was literally what like 99 percent of beer was made from the same exact malt right and like and then it was the same hops but in recent years it's changed a little bit can you talk a little bit more about like the the industry as a whole like evolving in that way yeah i mean so craft brewing in general has helped it in large part but the the agricultural community that has grown around hops. Um, 
is super healthy and vibrant. And I think craft brewing has helped them explore their creative side. So we've got different hops that are expressing different types of compounds, uh, much like a wine region might express different terroirs, you know, different mineralities, different fruit components. You know, Sauv Blanc from New Zealand is going to be very different from one from France. Uh, so you've got regionalities. And so there's a whole range of like flavor and organoleptic experiences that you're going to get from these different hops. Piney, fruity, spicy, coconutty. People are creating hops that taste like fruit. So there's a whole fantastic realm to explore, uh, which is really exciting for brewers specifically, but also for consumers who are just looking to try different flavors and feelings. The traditional IPA was super piney, crisp, bitter, and there's been a whole evolution into like softer, fruitier components. So it's exciting. It brings a whole lot of people into it. And I think one interesting component about beer specifically that I find enjoyable compared to wine is that it's super accessible. And that's what kind of drove me away from wine a little bit. It's like to have a great beer, you're going to spend two bucks. To have a great wine and a great example of that region, you're not going to go home satisfied without spending 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. And that's just not accessible. And so I think, you know, beer is a fantastic equalizer and can invite a whole lot of people in. And so hops having all those flavor compounds can help. Does America now make, or how long has this been the case? Does America make the best beer in the world? I think we've got the most diversified portfolio of beers. And I think that we make the, <laughs> the best of some of those. Very po- political. And, very, and there, very... there are world-class beers, 100%. The best in the world? I don't know. <laughs> that's, a, that's a no. That's a resounding no. I mean, right Chris, there. you just ask him, is, are Americans the best at soccer in the world? <laughs> And John basically said, we have some players that are very good, that are world-class players. We definitely play soccer here. It's That's football. true. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely play football. No, no. I, we, we have exceptional beer, exceptional brewing. You know, the U.S. wins international awards. There are different regions that have brewed these historic beers, which it's hard to tap into. It's like part of a... It's cultural. It's a water thing. It's the stream that's brewed this beer. And like, how are you going to replicate that? For the beer nerds, of which I know there are some who listen to the show that Dave has not yet scared off. Talk to us a little bit about like your what what do you like in brewing? Like I just you were talking about some of these world beers. Like tell us like some of your favorite styles, favorite breweries, and then like your own personal kind of like philosophy on on brewing. I'd like to get some of your your bona fides for people. Man, I I can't discriminate against styles. I like them. I don't want to say all equally. I enjoy some more than others. I'm a huge IPA fan. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. <laughs> so yeah, huge IPA fan, huge Pilsner fan, because again, the Pilsners are going to be like super crisp, really refreshing, nuanced. They highlight any imperfections. So the people that are making them world-class have to do an exceptional job every single time. The flaws just show through too well. So those are kind of my favorites, but I think, you know, there's a style for any occasion. Yeah, so those are the brews. And as far as philosophy, I think just respecting the ingredients and trying to find new and unique ways to work with different ingredients. Um, And I do enjoy and get excited by tweaking recipes, Mm -hmm. perfecting the recipes, perfecting the methodologies which we're using. You know, I think we make fantastic products, but the team is always striving to do a better job 
at what we do currently. And so we're always working hard to kind of perfect, knowing that perfection is kind of unattainable. Uh, do you have a style that, like as a brewer, is there like a style, even if it's not your favorite and you're not discriminating against others, is there a style that, uh, that excites you to, to make, to produce more than others? I love brewing sour beers. All right. So I want to ask you about sour beers. That was my next question. Like I like I like an acidic beer. Dave Dave has spent a lot of time drinking, like uh, forcing these things down his gullet in in Scandinavia and other parts of the world where they treat this like a <laughs> the one thing that he might like less than an IPA is a sour beer. What do you? Am I right, Dave? Like, what is it? Sour beer or IPA? What? Which one do you, you have to drink? One? Can I choose neither? Is that an option? <laughs> Sophie's <laughs> choice here, man. You got to pick one. It's got to be. I'll take a sour beer over an IPA. <laughs> wow. Wow. And he does not like sours. Okay. But all right. So, John, explain explain to us sour beer in general, Britannomyces, all this stuff. And then, like, what has it gone also a little crazy with, like, the amount of sour beers out there? There's a lot of sour beer out there. Um, but again, it, you know, I think it got every brewer excited. It's exploring this whole new world that didn't exist before. And the fact that you can go out to your peach tree, pluck a peach off it, find one single yeast cell on it, grow that up into a culture and then brew with that mm-hmm. is incredible. And so I think people got super excited by that. And it can yield some like amazing flavors. I agree with that. Do you also agree that like some people got overexcited? Like I feel like there was a point where like IPAs were just like, how bitter can we make this? And like I feel like some sours are like, how sour can we make this? It gets pretty, pretty aggressive. And I'm I'm privy or you know, I prefer a cleaner sour. I don't I don't lean towards the Britannomyces type brews. I'm a I like clean lactic sours like a Goza or a Berliner Weiss, just nice, clean, simple, crisp light acidic. And I think there's a fantastic crossover to like Sauvignon Blancs or Vino Verdes there. It's just bright and citrusy and refreshing. So that's kind of my preference in terms mm-hmm. of sours. But yeah, it, it's a fun category. No, my preference is athletic light uh, <laughs> and beers like that. So, um, so, so I don't really care about sour, sour beers or or how that's been you going. You don't say, clearly. dude. You don't, I mean, just letting you guys know if you haven't picked that up. But how, what's the feedback been on Athletic Light? Uh, it's been awesome. Um, I think, again, people were shown like a brand new light. You know, they thought that they could never appreciate, A, a light beer, or first, a non-alcoholic beer, and change their minds there. And then a light beer. And then a light non-alcoholic beer. And so we just kind of changed a whole lot of minds. People are really digging it. I mean, it's got, for what it is, it's 25 calories, 5 grams of carbs, zero hangover, zero sugar. Um, So we created this amazing taste, flavor, and aroma out of almost nothing. And so it's a testament to to the team for doing that. There's, There's a lot in that can for the nutrients that are represented. This is not facetious. I, I really believe it for me, with the exception of, say, top-tier white Burgundy wines or Bordeaux wines or s- even some, you know, Junmai Daiginjo sakes for the most part, which pairs with, like, for me, over 80% of the foods out there. But again, as John correctly and astutely stated, it's just inaccessible. It's so expensive. Mm-hmm. I don't have a wine fridge in my house. I don't plan on ever having 
a seller in my house. That's just not what I want to do. And it's just very cost prohibitive to do. So to drink something every day, or if you're going to go out to dinner, and again, from an Asian perspective, if you're in Korea, Southeast Asia, China, you're seeing besides maybe tea, but if you're going to drink a beverage, a light beer is actually better than say carbonated water or champagne, right? Champagne can be too tart, too acidic. Mm-hmm. And light beer has just enough of a balance of bitterness from the hops, just enough carbonation, just enough of everything to be a nice palate cleanser, to not overwhelm the food. And it's just, a, it's what it is. It's a, like milk and cookies. You're like, oh, that works really well. <laughs> this works really well. Just sort of suspend disbelief and suspend all the things you read and just do it on your own merits. Drink a, and you know, if you drink a, a light beer, it's going to work really well, which is why I think Athletic Brew is going to be, to me, very exciting because people can now drink something and not get drunk and drink it throughout the meal. Because one of my favorite things to do is mapu tofu or spicy crawfish or anything with a very cold beer, preferably on ice. <laughs> John, John, I'm yeah. sorry, John. Do you have anything to say? You just like had, had to add that in there. Do you, what do you have to say, John, about beer on the rocks? You got any opinions on beer on the rocks? I've got nothing wrong with it. Uh, my wife does it from time to time. You know, people are drinking micheladas on the rocks. I got nothing against it. And I, I can definitely appreciate a cold beer. There you go. See, we got we got another. It's we have so, a, we have official so refreshing on our Thank side God. now. You, you, you should run for office. You have not <laughs> deviated from anything. You are on. You're just unflappable. Amazing. Because drinking beer on ice is one of my great pleasures. There's nothing better to drink ice cold beer on ice. And I love it with hot, hot, spicy food. So, so many of the things I eat are hot and spicy. So it just, it sort of works well. But again, it's that idea that it's just a beverage. So just stop thinking that I'm drinking a beer. And from my perspective, you're just drinking a beverage. You know what's weird? You know, seriously, you know what's fucking weird? Drinking a Diet Coke with your food. <laughs> That's really weird. <laughs> Do you want to, or drink a Coca-Cola or any kind of carbonated sugary beverage? Why don't you have a bite of cupcake in between a, you know, a bite of your hamburger? Like, you know? Yeah, that was, that's one of Bill's, like, he always gets me with that when he's like, I stopped drinking and I went out to these nice dinners, these business dinners, and he was like, and I was pairing these amazing meals with Coke. It's like, oh, that's so gross. That's brutal. <laughs> so, I mean, that alone will drive you to create a business that only creates non-alcoholic beers. Yeah, for sure. But nobody cares if you're if you're at dinner, even a nice dinner, and one of your you know table mates orders a Coca Cola or some kind of sweet beverage. That's that's actually the strange thing here. Mm-hmm. And, I see and that. it would be great to be able to shift perspectives on this. Yeah. You do always just make kind of, it's funny, Dave, because you make like a little mental note when everyone's going around ordering their beverage and someone's just like, I'll have a Coke. And you're like, hmm. But he, I've never stopped and been like, why what are you, you six just, years old? <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you, like six year olds, six year olds, whenever you order like chocolate. A, I mean, it's as arbitrary and the same as ordering chocolate milk. That's like, what I'm what saying. Are you doing? Like, when you, when, I, when you see a kid do it, you're like, oh, the kid is smart because they like, they know this is their opportunity to get soda because it's allowed. It's like an allowed thing. But when you see an adult do it, you're like, 
what are you doing? Why are you taking away the marketing? Take away the marketing. Take away the Super Bowl commercials. Take away the radio ads. Very effective. Very pairing effective. this with and just, just, just think about it and then taste on your own. Sugary beverages have no bearing with actual eating. It doesn't work because yeah. you should just eat a candy bar. Eat a candy bar in between bites of savory food and wash it down with water. It's the same thing. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. just order a, a squeeze it or a Capri Sun to go in between. <laughs> uh, what else is what's what's next, John? For uh, you know, as you as the brewer, what what do you what are you excited to work on after Athletic Light? What else is in the pipeline? Um, we have some exciting partnerships with some you know food type ingredients, some drink mixer type things coming up the pipeline. So that's exciting. Like I said, the pilot system is always humming along. We've got you know twenty. 25 brewers at this point whose passion and goal is to make amazing tasting non-alcoholic brews. So see what they come up with, different recipes, different ingredients, folding in culinary components, things like that. We're excited. We're going to finish our East Coast expansion. So we should be able to satisfy all the folks in this country at the very least in the not too distant future. So we're really excited about that. We've been working on it for like a year and a half. God, this conversation makes me want one of those giant beer towers and like Korean fried chicken, Dave, just cold, light beer. And like, oh my God, that's what I want right now. GMAC, man, let's do it. Let's do this. Actually, John, that's a good combo we should do work on, you know, the whole idea of fried chicken and a big tower of cold beer and some, you know, tart pickles that would work really well. What is this tower? Can you pull it up? Because I lived in Korea in 1990, oh my God, 95. And you would go out to a restaurant where they might make tteokbokki, so spicy rice cakes with cheese or ramen noodles. And chimek didn't exist then. You had more of a German fried chicken, which was a batterless fried chicken, and Korean fried chicken, like the triple fried chicken thing, didn't really exist back then either. But the thing that has existed and stood the test of time in Korea are beer towers. So they put literally a acrylic plastic container of beer on a stand with, you know, four liters of beer. Oh, and I you see. pour it yourself at the table. I see it. And it's awesome. I love that. Yeah, I just pulled up a picture. That's awesome. It's like a communal mm -hmm. endeavor. Uh, it's also awesome. Korean, Korean trickery. Let's let's fool you with the the size of something. But the reality <laughs> is, you're pouring your own beer, so we don't have to. It's 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 such a Korean move. But you know that, that's a that's a thing. Chimek is not something you can. It, it's 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 sold as a happy hour type of thing. Something you do after work. This is something you can now do during work. A hundred percent. Yeah, this is like a a board meeting type of thing. Yeah, you could uh, an absolute like athletic light in a beer tower with fried shit. Oh my god, I'm craving that exact combination yeah, right now. Really Holy cow, that's awesome! It's amazing looking. GMAC, baby. All right, so uh, anything else you want to discuss what, what, what's, what, with, with uh, athletic brewing or events? No, I mean, we got all sorts of stuff coming up Ironman, Spartan races all over the country, all over the world. Yeah, John, that's another thing. When we were at an event and I, I, Chris, you would have laughed. I was on stage with arguably the greatest athletes in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and they're talking about their training. <laughs> you're you're, all, wearing, you're all wearing tracksuits. You're wearing tracksuits. than anyone in the world. And 
guys that have been and women like the top volleyball players, people that have been on the their 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 models, but they're models for that the magazine covers of uh, of like men's fitness and health, and then you had me. <laughs> I don't know what they were doing on stage because they don't train nearly as hard as I do. Well, they, they got to eat good food and they got to drink good beer. So that's why we're there for them. No, no, it was great. And the funny thing is there was a lot of commonality between everybody, right? It, it is about that celebration. It is trying to have that idea that you can partake in something without like messing up your day. And, 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 you know, I think that's something we can all really understand as as we all get older. So um, I appreciate it. I appreciate being able to work with you and the whole team and Bill at Athletic. I think you guys are best in class, and uh, and I, I just I enjoy it so much. And to see, you know, when I go to all the supermarkets now in Southern California, and I see Athletic Brew at every place, it's a it's a it's amazing to see where it started. And I just, again, more, more than anything, I admire and I'm inspired by what you guys are doing. So it's super cool. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it and super excited that we were able to create this athletic light and super excited to get it out into the world. So thank you. Well, that was our conversation with John Walker, head brewer for Athletic Brewing. Go check out all the beers in their factory. And in, in, in they, I mean, John, how many, how many different SKUs do you have now? Uh, over the last year, we did over 40 separate brews. So we've got four flagships that are out in the world all year round, but then our website has eight at any given time. And the two main ones that you see in the grocery aisle are what? It's the Run Into the Wild and... Yeah, we've got the Run Wild IPA Run and the wild. Upside Dawn Golden. And so now Athletic Light is going to be right there next to them, along with Free Wave Hazy IPA. I will drink the IPA. I promise you. <laughs> You can have it on ice. Delicious. I don't want to mess up the ice. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Thank you. Thank you. Five stars, however you rate this. Um, Check out Athletic Brew and uh, let's go eat some fried chicken and beer. Yeah.